Today's episode is brought to you by Positively Productive Systems, whose mission is to be the antidote to your stress and to provide compassionate productivity resources and coaching that help you heal and achieve. Be sure to check out both free and paid resources at PositivelyProductive.com resources. And if you don't find a way to meet that need when it's a whisper, then your body is going to find a way to make the need known in, in less desirable ways. People think, oh, if I, if I keep pouring from an empty cup, like I'm just pouring what air or something, but you're not, you start pouring resentment, you start pouring anger, you start pouring all of these harmful behaviors out at people because you don't have the capacity to process your own internal landscape. You're listening to the Positively Living Podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Zarotny, founder of Positively Productive Systems and a coach certified in time and stress management, helping clients make space for what matters most in their lives. Join me each episode and we'll talk about decluttering, stress management, habits, personalized productivity, gratitude, and so much more. I understand the overwhelm of life because I'm a wife, mom to kids and cats, and a former caregiver. I'm here to help you choose what's right for you so you can do less, live more, and breathe easier. Sound good? Let's get to it. Welcome back to the Positively Living Podcast. Today we're talking about setting boundaries so we can practice sustainable self-care. Self-care is a repeat topic here because how we approach it is something we need to keep reviewing. In last week's episode, we covered what it is and offered lots of examples of how we can keep it simple. Today, my guest, Justine Soans, and I are focused on the boundaries that protect the self-care we need. Justine Soans is a writer and stress management coach who loves drinking coffee, helping burnt-out humans set boundaries, and talking about things that hurt. Her career as a massage therapist, exploring stress, pain, and relaxation in the physical body, helped her realize her clients needed more support. Justine now spends her time writing about feelings and coaching other overfunctioning humans to develop healthy boundaries and practice sustainable self-care. Justine shares her story of how her own self-care gradually declined when she had her children, to the point of burnout and how she's come to understand the nature of self-care, our feelings, and the stress cycle, and how they're all connected. So much of what she shares connects to the conversations that we had in episode 91 on self-care and 99 on emotions, so you'll want to be sure to listen to those as well. Justine shares a quote from Prentice Hemphill on boundaries that I want to call out here. It's so good. Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. That's what it's about, being able to love yourself through your life. Our conversation today leads you through the steps to process what you need and then to create the boundaries to protect that. You'll want to listen to the end for a simple but powerful first step in this process. And as you reflect on what you need, I recommend figuring out what self-care means to you, what lights you up, energizes you, nourishes you. And you can do that by downloading my free resource, The Joy List, at PositivelyProductive.com slash joy. Welcome, Justine Soans, to the Positively Living Podcast. Thank you for having me. We're talking about boundaries, self-care, stress reduction, 
Oh, so many good things. But before we do, would you please tell us a bit about who you are, who you help, and what makes you light up? Oh, yes. So I am, as you said, Justine Soans. I'm a writer and a stress management coach. And so I help people who are on the brink of burnout. I help them learn how to kind of adjust the way that they're approaching their life, bring a little more balance to it with some self-care and uh, stress management strategies. And the thing that really lights me up right now in this season particularly is actually my gardening. Coming out of winter and into spring and starting like the little baby seedlings, there's just something about the like the imagery that is, it just is so nourishing for me right now. And so it just absolutely lights me up. Mm, It's like hope and renewal, right? Oh yeah. There's it's every year. I forget how hard winter is. Like every time I'm just like, I thought I would have expected this by now and I do, but it still surprises me. And so yeah, the hope that comes with spring sun and those first like mm, kisses of warmth, it's just a glorious thing. I know. I've been a New Yorker my entire life. And I'm like, how do I keep forgetting? And by the time February February comes and I'm like, I'm done. And then March comes and I'm like, seriously, I said I was done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yes. So there's something in there. There's, There's a metaphor, a connection here too, when we're feeling that burnout and then when we find that renewal. And As a fellow stress management coach, I understand and I also expect that you have a story of burnout of your own. Mm -hmm. Wondering if you would maybe start us off with what led you to this point, this understanding and then helping others. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things to know about me is that I've always been a very achievement-oriented person. I was always very motivated, very driven. Like I love checking off boxes. I love the fulfillment that comes with like a sense of accomplishment. And I was also very, always very mindful of my self-care and wellness practices. I knew that dealing with depression and anxiety was something that had been a part of my life since the teenage years. And so I was really intentional about the way that I incorporated self-care practices into my day to take care of myself. Fast forward a little while and I had kids and (laughs) (laughs) I know (laughs) we all laugh together. (laughs) Have kids, they say, it'll be fun, they say. (laughs) And so even though I was going into that transition, you know, having spent time as a massage therapist, so like professionally helping people manage their stress in a healthcare setting. And even though I'd been so vigilant about knowing my own self-care practices, I just didn't anticipate how much those supports would be taken out from under me. So I you know, started noticing that with my first kid and then had a second kid. And at that point, like I only have two hands. So then I was like no longer feeding myself or like doing those basic things. And that's where I hit the, the loving mental breakdown, I call it, of 2018, where it was just like, this is it. I cannot do it anymore. I'm throwing all my red flags up in the air and setting them on fire. (laughs) So that was kind of, you know, when I look back in hindsight, that's like the big turning point that where things kind of started to change the trajectory. And it's been a lot of up and down since then and like stumbling and whatever along the way. But that's what really led me to doing such a deep dive into the way that stressors stack in our life about the way that our capacity to deal with those stressors fluctuates in different seasons of our life and ultimately how we can continue to grow through them instead of being taken out by them. Right. And what 
things we can do that we have control over that can help mitigate the effect of them. Yeah, because you know, again in my in my situation, so much of my self-care routine was dependent on external things, um whether it was going to the gym or getting out on my bike. It was like when those are taken out and it's just me and I feel so trapped, what am I left with? How do I take care of myself then? And then, you know, this theme came up again with the pandemic and the different waves of this, like, what now? Right. And I think along those lines, and I'm kind of curious if this was your experience personally, because as you said, haha, we all laugh together, you know, been there, done that, wearing the t-shirt, we're both in the group together, right? You know, you start with this structured approach, uh, which did have external factors, of course. So that's an important point. But you were there, you were on it. So achievement and intentional self-care and you had it. And then it started to slip away. Was it not obvious at first? No, it was a very, it's kind of a funny thing. So I think it's kind of twofold. Like one, it was a bit of that frog in boiling water situation where it starts with just thinking like, oh, okay, I just missed breakfast today, you know, or like it's just a disrupted sleep for six months or, or whatever. You just, you kind of normalize it. And then the other thing that I think starts to happen is I often say that being able to identify that you're not okay isn't a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength when it comes to mental health, because it means that if you notice something, you can do something about it. So part of where mental illness starts to take over is that your brain starts to trick you into not recognizing these things. And and it makes it so much harder to, to take action to make it better. So it becomes a really vicious cycle. Hmm. Yeah, I found the same thing that was it was a gradual kind of thing. And the point that you made about identifying when you're not okay, understanding that we have these habits of self-care that we need, okay? Let's dig into that real quick. What is it about the self-care part of it? You you had that, you were intentional about it, then you lost it. It's that gradual decline where we think, "Oh my goodness, It's just, like you said, temporary, or it's just this one thing, but it impacts us so much more. What's going on there? Part of what happens along the way is that I think that we we lose the connection to ourselves, to our feelings, and to the needs that these feelings are pointing us towards. Mm. Because, and I'll speak from my experience, is that I became so attuned to other people's needs because they came with so much more urgency in the moment, like it felt like there was a direct consequence to, you know, if I don't feed my baby, he's going to keep crying and then get taken away. Like if I don't feed myself, then like I might not feel good for a little bit, but then it kind of like it, it passes. So yeah, our, our feelings are so important to connect with because they point us towards our needs and meeting those needs is what self-care is all about. And so that's even part of like, again, to the note of the fact that it changes and evolves over time is that in different seasons, we need different approaches to our self-care. And I don't think that I even realized that. So it was like, even by taking the approaches that had worked in the past, they weren't working now because my self-care cup had cracks in it now, you know? And so it's like, I was pouring into it, but it wasn't actually able to retain any of those efforts. Yeah. And so then it took really changing the focus of how I was classifying my self-care efforts and like seeing how they stack to like change that so that it was more inclusive of like my mental well-being, my emotional well-being and the internal process that went into that. 
Hey, yeah, that's so good. This idea that we need to reclassify self-care. And we have talked about this repeatedly on the podcast. And guess what? We're going to keep talking about it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> There's a reel that I did with this uh, with this audio that's like, you can't pour from an empty cup. I'm going to repeat myself because you're not listening. Yes. <laughs> but the thing is, and to your point that I think is so important, is that it's not just, okay, someone else is telling you this, are you listening or not, but that we're not listening to ourselves. We're not understanding what our needs are. And I think that's such an important distinction. It's not just a want, it's not optional, it's a need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you don't find a way to meet that need when it's a whisper, then your body is going to find a way to make the need known in, in less desirable ways. People think, oh, if I if I keep pouring from an empty cup, like I'm just pouring what air or something, but you're not. You start pouring resentment. You start pouring anger. You start pouring all of these harmful behaviors out at people because you don't have the capacity to process your own internal landscape. Right there. Okay. I got to grab an extra mic so you can drop it. <laughs> yeah. It's not just that we have nothing, nothing left to pour, but that other things come out. And this is exactly what I'm talking about when I say, are you becoming a person that you're not liking? Are you feeling like you're, I'm not myself? You know, And I felt like that as a caregiver because I dealt with caregiving for my mom and my kiddos at the same time. And it was like, who am I? I'm not fun anymore. I'm not joyful. I'm, I'm struggling. So this idea of reclassifying, what do we do? What steps do we take to like you said, make it real and sustainable and to understand, I guess maybe the first step is what do we do to understand what it is that we need? And then where do we go from there? Yeah. I think that one of the, one of the biggest things that I work with people on is learning to sit with their feelings of discomfort and unpacking what those have to say, because one of the most harmful or whatever things about self-care that we've been told is that it's about feeling good. And that's even, that's what I, that's what got me into the self-care game as a massage therapist. Like I liked helping people feel good, but when that's all that we focus on we miss out on the information that all of those like quote unquote bad feelings have to deliver because again, underneath them is a message. So underneath our anger is often a feeling of things being unfair. And so if we keep feeling angry towards our partner, because we're shouldering more of the domestic burden we have to own the fact that that feels unequal. And what are we going to do to mitigate that? Because no amount of bubble baths is going to make you feel better about the fact that you're the only one doing the laundry, right? Exactly. I just had a conversation with Amanda Chills about this very thing. She used the term dirty as in self-care. It's like doing the work that we really truly need, right? And it's so important that we understand. So now we're getting into, do we understand what the self-care is that equates to our needs? And sometimes that is the thing that's challenging. Sometimes that is as obvious as it might seem, getting to the doctors, going to that appointment, or as you said, sitting with uncomfortable emotions, taking the time to journal something out, whatever it is, to be able to get in deeper. And yeah, I love that. It's not just about feeling good. The feel good part is important too. The pampering is a portion of it, 
but I think we focus on it too much. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I believe that our feelings exist on a spectrum. And so where we have capacity or access to one on the other side, there's Mm -hmm. something else. So, you know, on the opposite side of grief, let's say is joy, you know? And so it's not that joy is the only feeling worth feeling in the human experience because there's a lot of beauty in grief as well. And it's because of grief that we can appreciate joy. And so it's so complicated and multi-layered, but you know, my work is, is ultimately about helping people lead richer and more meaningful lives. And that means having access to the full capacity of feelings and what they're telling you. Yeah. Your potential for growth. My guest, Katie Ressler will love you for saying that because she's been on the podcast twice talking about grief and how we process that. And it's an opportunity uh, with all of these things that we're dealing with. Okay. So here we have this idea that we have self-care as a need, that it is not always what we think it is. What do we do? What are the steps that we take to be able to tap into that and most importantly, create the boundaries to protect that for us? Mm. Prentice Hempel has a really great quote about boundaries that says, boundaries are the space at which I can love you and be simultaneously. So this is what we're trying to create when we set those boundaries and our feelings are where our boundaries begin. So in terms of unpacking this process, again, being able to identify that feeling and then have a safe space to explore it is really an important place because I often talk about in the stress cycle, we have the stressor as an external thing that happens. The stress response is our internal reaction to it. And then Mm -hmm. we ultimately choose the behavior that we do on the other side. In between that reaction, the feeling is the first kind of feedback that we get. And then there's a story that we make of it inside our heads. And so a safe space to unpack that story means that you can explore what you're making the situation mean without having to defend yourself to anybody, without being in judgment of what's going on, and without feeling like you need to apologize for any of it. Mm-hmm. Because it's only when you're clear on that side, like your side of the fence, that then we can put up the boundaries that say, this is what's acceptable and this is what's not acceptable. Because when it comes to you know how we show up in relationship for somebody else, we might have a friend who's really going through a lot and they're sending us 50 text messages a day and calling four times. And that's kind of disruptive for most people. And so the boundary would say, I love you. I want to be there for you. Like You're not wrong for doing this. It's that I don't have the capacity for this for these reasons. This is the way that I can show up for you. So all of that internal processing happens in the safe space that those boundaries create so that you show up as a whole human for those interactions instead of pouring from empty and hurting people. Man, I am nodding so much. My headphones are going to come off. Would you please repeat that quote? It's Prentice Hemphill. Mm -hmm. And they said, boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and me simultaneously. That is phenomenal. Uh, Mallory Jackson from the uh, Trauma-Informed Life episode and also the Codependency episode talked about boundaries as a way to show people how you want to be loved. But I particularly like this because you're talking about both sides. I can love you. I can love me. 
it's like that sweet spot, so to speak. Right. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and I think that like, you know, that you're at a place of healing when you're able to see the other person's side of things from a place of humanity and empathy. And so it's like, if I'm still approaching a situation saying, well, they did this and they are X because of Y, then I still have a lot of processing and healing to do because that's not me. That's outside of my boundary. <laughs> Right, right. That's that's a you thing. Yeah, that sounds like a you thing. (laughs) I love that phrase. I laugh so hard at it, but really, it is as simple as that. Maybe not as easy, but it is as simple as that to be like, does that belong to me or does that belong to you? And that really is creating the boundaries. Yeah. What you're talking about with, um, thank you so much for bringing up the stress cycle. I was hoping we were going to go there, but that whole part of it where you're having the reaction, the feeling, uh, you're dealing with the stories. I talked with Kristen Kubik about this and that safe space to unpack your story, to process things. She spoke of this as well. It is absolutely key. And that's where you come to that important word with anything, whether we're setting goals, whether we're creating boundaries, that word decide, right? Mm-hmm. It's drawing a line in the sand. It's figuring out this is what's okay. This is what isn't. Yep. This is where I'm working from. And then once you have that, what do we do with it? Oh my goodness. Then your job is to uphold it, even if you get resistance, because setting boundaries isn't about everybody liking you. <laughs> and and like we're we're wired to want people to like us. It, you know, we we want senses of belonging and acceptance and and that's what that offers us. But just because you set a boundary and someone doesn't like it, it doesn't mean that you're doing it wrong. It just means that you are being asked to like your your convictions being tested, you know? And it will be. <laughs> and you can decide to move your boundary. Like sometimes someone will say to me, I think that that was an inappropriate reaction. And I stop and I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's never just a set it and forget it situation. It's a constant appraisal and readjustment as needed. But again, in that, it's about, once again, learning to sit with those feelings of discomfort, because then the story that comes up is like, does this person not like me? Does this mean that I'm not going to have friends? Like whatever, wherever your brain goes, you have to be able to face that and look it in the mirror and say like, no, that's not true. Right. And going back to the process that you got to these boundaries that you're upholding now, you're trying to decide like, okay, do I have the capacity for this or not? You know, is this okay with me or not? It does it meet my, you know, my values Mm -hmm. and is it within my moral compass, whatever it happens to be, wherever you're coming from in terms of those decisions that we talk about alignment so much, that's alignment is figuring out, okay, this works for me. This fits with me. I'm okay with it. I feel good about it. and, And I have the capacity for it. Once I have all these things, then there's a limit, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if someone tries to push through that, they could do it for so many reasons. They can do it unwittingly. They can do it because this might be new, right? We might be listening today and be like, yeah, I really got to get on these boundaries. And you create new ones and everyone's like, whoa, you never did that before. Yeah. That's okay. You were like, well, I do that now because I realized I don't yes. want to burn myself out and be useless to everybody. Thank you. Yes, 100%. And like one of the things that I think is really important to acknowledge is that women in particular are socially rewarded for violating our boundaries. 
So there's an element of, you know, we look at a system that is propped up by unpaid labor, primarily by women, primarily by women of color. And we look at how does the system reward that and rely on it? And we have to be able to, yeah, to face that and acknowledge it. Oh my God, a hundred percent. And that goes right into something I've been on a come up on my soapbox with me, Justine. Uh, No, you're already there. Look at that. You're right here. Okay, great. Here, have a beverage. Uh, Let's talk about this. The the selfless mother. I almost want to call it a trope. I've been you know reading books mm-hmm. where I'm like this trope. I want to call it a trope at this point because it, come on, it's a story that keeps repeating itself, and we need to stop. Absolutely, absolutely. Because again, like another thing that boundaries do on an internal level is that they create the. It's where I end and somebody else begins. And again, like if we don't have that, we have unhealthy relational dynamics like codependence and enmeshment. And that's not good either. Mm. So yeah, and I'm I'm really an advocate for self-centered motherhood in terms of like we, we've talked about this a little bit before, but if you picture that like you're not just pouring into a self-care cup, it's a cup on the top of a fountain that is pouring down into all of those other relationships that you have. And so we need that to be self-centered. You have to have a core spot that you're pouring from. Absolutely. And may I add, and if you listen regularly, you hear it over and over again, sorry, not sorry, you're modeling for the future generation. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. When I, before I had kids as like a little aside, I always wanted to have daughters because I, you know, came into my feminism in my twenties and I was just on fire about the way that women could change the world. And then I had two boys until they tell me otherwise. And that's where we're capping it. And all of a sudden it became this element of like, well, I'm actually leading the way of their expectations of women and mothers and how we show up. And so my responsibility raising two little boys in the society is to teach them that my labor is not invisible. It is not free. I take care of them because I love them. But ultimately... There's exactly. More. Yes. And, you know, we've been having, I'll say similar conversations because we've actually been having conversations in my home, which I love and a similar dynamic to say, I do this because I love you, not because it's expected, it's required. It's the only way of value. And of course that ties right back into the productivity conversation of it's not what we're doing, right. That gives us the value. It's we are a value right here, right now. As you are, you are valued. You are worthy. You don't have to do things in order to receive that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Okay. Well, I'm liking the soapbox, but uh, <laughs> it's comfortable <laughs> here. here it. So, so, you know, again, you know, stay comfy and, and let's keep going. Okay. So given that we have identified really what self-care is uh, to the core and and how we are connecting to it, what we need to do to make the decisions to create those boundaries. Is there anything else that we need to step away with today so that we can take those first truly simple but strong steps? Oh, let me think here. Any other little nuggets related to immediate action for putting boundaries in place in your life. I think that if you struggle to find space to hear yourself think that that's one of the most important 
things to do. And I know again that that like maybe sounds really simplistic, but as as you said, just because something is simple does not mean that it's easy. You know, it's really hard for us to sit with ourselves and hear what comes up, especially when there's chaos around you. But that is the most important thing that you can do is, is claim even 60 seconds of space at a time to yourself and know that that habit is going to build because it's progress over perfection in this case. And the only way to build that habit is to start really small with meeting yourself where you're at. Absolutely. And I think that that is the best first step is to carve out that space, both physically, you know, and on your calendar as well. Like you said, the 60 seconds, the whatever it is, whatever small increment of time that feels doable, again, going back to habit formation, the Mm -hmm. smallest possible step we can make that we'll be able to do consistently. And Mm -hmm. if you need to say to your family or to people around you, I need one minute on the clock where I'm behind this door and nobody Mm-hmm. comes after me, whatever it happens to be. And I know that almost sounds ludicrous and ridiculous, but mm, sometimes not so much. But it's true. And there's and there's an element again with you know the the places that I see the the greatest struggle in implementing this is often with moms of young kids because it is a dynamic where your boundaries get set in reverse. In normal, normal human interactions, you start outside in with people. When it comes to children, it is an inside out process because they are so dependent on you. But again, being okay with your children's discomfort so that you can take care of yourself is like your responsibility is to make sure that they are safe. Part of that is taking care of you. So it's like, if your child is too young to be able to run willy nilly around, like put them in a room with a crib and for a minute, they will be okay. Communicate to them what's going on, establish the boundary for them. Even then Mm -hmm. tell them you will be back and come back. And you can, you know, adjust that for different phases where people are at. It's like every relationship, there's a different amount of responsibility. So take responsibility for what you have to, and make sure that yourself is in there. Absolutely. Communicate to other people who can support you in this. Yes. That you need this minute or whatever it happens to be, but consistently. And you're right, as children grow, and I've definitely coached this before and I've tried it myself, you can show them different things as they grow and as they understand things better. Even when they don't understand the construct of time, they could see a colorful time block that says, okay, this is when I'm not going to be available to you. Mm-hmm. but this is when I am. And you start mm-hmm. to find that balance. Keeping in mind, again, like you were saying about boundaries being you know, where you end, where someone else begins, is that you can respectfully do this and still create spaces for them as well. So in this case with children, you have your, here's my five minutes that you don't interrupt for any reason other than an absolute emergency that no one else can help with, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> all the caveats. Mm-hmm. But then after that is done, we will have five minutes uninterrupted together or whatever it happens to be. Yes. Yeah. And, and to the note of modeling it as well, like whether you're dealing with kids or you're dealing with, you know, you're a leader in a workplace position, mm-hmm. you know, like when my kid gets home, I have one kid who's at home during the day and one who's at school. 
So there's this like little vortex of an hour, maybe half an hour where one is so overstimulated from being gone all day. And the other is so excited to see his brother. So, you know, we've watched that turmoil play out. And so for me, it's like to my older kid, it's like, Hey buddy, I noticed that you seem to be really short with like your brother. When you get home from school, are you feeling tired? Do you need some alone time to decompress? Okay, how long do you need? And he often says, you know, 10 minutes. So it's like, okay, we put 10 minutes on the clock. And then to the little brother, it's like, all right, you have my attention right now. Like, what are we going to do so that you feel entertained? Mm -hmm. And then teach them how to notice their own feelings and take space. And you're right. That is not just a uh, child thing because that's something my husband, the introvert, <laughs> uh, and I say that because I, I, I mean, I'm the extrovert. I know that comes as a shock because everybody's sitting mm-hmm. down. Okay, but I almost spit my coffee out. I know, right? <laughs> yes. Oh man, that's like a winning moment. Either yeah. if I can get a spit take or I can get a guest to cry, I'm like, that's just you know, win- yeah. hashtag winning. Yeah. Uh, he needs the decompression time. Yes. when he gets home from work. And so it's it's creating it's creating that space and you can do that you can do that with clients and I do that my clients absolutely respect that but here's the distinction when you create this space and Angela Henderson actually mentioned this on the podcast and I love it because it's such an important concept in all of this is that when you have these boundaries, you have these spaces. This is my space. Oh, suddenly I'm thinking dirty dancing. It's like, this is my <laughs> dance space. This is yours, right? Okay. But when you have that, then when it comes time for them to get their time, their space, their connection with you, you are fully present with them. And that is the most powerful way you can yes. be. Yes. Oh, yeah. And it's and it's even like you know, then when they do act out, I don't make it about myself, you know, like, whereas if I'm really depleted and I haven't taken that space to take care of myself, then their tantrums become like, what, what is wrong with you? Like, why is this happening? Like, (laughs) and that's not, yeah, that's that's not how I want to show up. Exactly. Again, it's like, that's a you thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So we've talked about some amazing me things, you things, us things, but the the real key is is that these are ways that you can show up your best. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that that you want to share that I didn't think to ask that uh, you want to leave us with? I think I just want to leave it with a, a reminder for people to trust themselves. You know, in a world that tells you that all your power is outside of you, being able to stand up and trust yourself is a really countercultural act. Applause to that. Yes, exactly. Trust yourself and trust that you know what you need and that you deserve it. Yes. Okay. With that, we're going to get into a fun, rapid wrap up. But first, let us know where we can find you online. So the best place to connect with me is with my email newsletter, which goes out every other week. It's called The Friday Feels. Mm-hmm. And you can sign up at bit.ly slash the Friday feels. So that's B-I-T dot L-Y slash the Friday feels. And my website is justinesones.com. So if you want to learn more about me and my work, you can go down the rabbit hole that is the blog. And those are the best places right now. I'm not doing social media at the moment because boundaries. <laughs> mm, there you go. I love it. So I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. Easy to connect. So perfect. ready for the rapid wrap up? Let's do it. Okay. Please fill in the blank. A song that lifts my spirits, makes me dance is. Am I allowed to cheat and do an album? No, <laughs> but okay. you could start with the album and then I could randomly pick one from it. 
Okay. No, I'm going to say the family magic, magical, my Spanish accent is yeah. awful, but the Encanto soundtrack right now, true. like, yes, is just impossible to be still. It's true. It's true. Okay. Well, that's fair. I will allow Encanto and I will pick something probably other than we don't talk about Bruno, even though surface man, pressure, that... <gasps> surface pressure yes. I will nominate because, yes. because the line in there, that's like, you know, am I worth anything if I'm not doing, I don't know the exact whatever, but it is there needs yes. to be yes. Yes. Pressure. All the yeses. Yeah. I, the minute I heard that song, I'm like, hello, there's, that's a life coach set of lyrics right there. Thank oh, you. Lynn Manuel Miranda. Drip, drip, drip. Right. <laughs> the pressure that will never stop. Okay. How about a quote or a mantra that inspires me that I love to share? The one that I share the most is both things can be true. Uh, specifically when it comes to conflicting experiences, because we get really stuck in binaries and being able to hold the space for like, I can feel joy and grief at the same time. They are both true and powerful is just a mind melter. Mm, Often called the sacred and, right? Yes. So love that. Okay. Now how about a resource, a book, an app, anything that makes my life better? The app Notion. Have you used Notion? It has yes. <laughs> revolutionized my life when it comes to like productivity and organization systems. I feel like mm-hmm. every other program has a preset path you have to follow. And Notion was the only thing that offered a blank canvas that I could create my brain flow onto the screen. I love Notion. I love that you're mentioning it because I just recorded today <laughs> with Sarah Steckler from Mindful Productivity, and uh, she likes to use Notion. We talked about it only a little bit, so I still want to bring somebody in to talk more about it. But Marie Poulin, okay, by the way. Marie Poulin, check out her stuff. She is the Notion queen. Right on. I will check her out and uh, bring her in. But uh, yeah, Notion is definitely a blank canvas. And so yes. I love that. Okay. Now, last, but certainly not least, what are you grateful for today, Justine? I am grateful for the fact that we tracked down a trailer that is now my office space outside of the house. So for the first time, I have independent space that belongs to me for my work and my endeavors. And I am so, so grateful for just the the potential that I feel in it. Oh, that is phenomenal. Talk about boundaries. It, and like, I manifested this trailer. <laughs> like Two years ago, I wrote a letter to myself that I wanted a trailer on our property for my own space. And then, I mean, there was a lot of work to get it here, but. Oh, and here we are. Here well we are. Basking done. in the gratitude. Yes. Okay. Well, speaking of basking in gratitude, I am basking in gratitude for our connection and for you being here and sharing so freely. And I want to thank you, Justine, for shining your light in this world and for sharing it with us today. Uh, Thank you so much for having a platform for me to bring it to. Thank you for joining me today. Your time is precious and limited, and I'm honored you chose to spend it with me. If you have feedback, questions, or want to schedule a chat, head to positivelyproductive.com slash connect. And if you are looking for any of the resources referenced on the podcast, from books to products to training and more, go to positivelyproductive.com slash resources.